Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeter, as we give you a preview of the Iowa State football 2022 season, including predictions and breakdowns of each game of the Cyclone schedule, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 188. <laughs> 27th of August was a re-emergence of Victory Day, an Iowa State tradition that was put on hold for the past. Victory Day is an event that this year allowed for more than 60 kids with disabilities to, quote, live out their dreams by competing in drills and scoring touchdowns in Jack Trice State. This event includes the Spirit Squad and the Iowa State University Cycle Football Varsity Marching Band to give the ambiance of game days. Coach Campbell brought this event with him from his tenure at Toledo and says helps move toward the ISU equipment to the community and helps to make a difference for the kids that participate. If you haven't heard of this awesome event yet, I'm glad that we've been able to share it with you. I actually don't think we've talked about it previously on a podcast, or if we did, it would have been than two years ago it's a lot of fun i always enjoyed doing it such a cool event i think my senior year was the first time they did it maybe it was my junior year was it matt was his first year did he do it his first year i don't recall i I think he did but i don't think the band did i think you're right so yeah my senior year was the first time we did it and it was really cool i think everybody has a good time every year at it you know who's not having a good time though scott frost (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or the entire state of Nebraska. That, that is true. So Scott Frost is now 15 and 30 in Nebraska. Bo Pelini was fired after going 67 and 27. So if Frost wins his next 50 games in a row, he would still have a worse record at Nebraska than Bo did. <laughs> He's also, Frost is also 5 and 21 at Nebraska in that were in one score game. So um, as we've determined, one score game is now an offensive term in the state of Nebraska. It's the cat. If Scott Frost would take a cat out of the tunnel with his team, he'd win more games. It's just a fact. Find Bo Pelini, get his cat, win more games. It's not hard. The cat would certainly give you more momentum than an onside kick in the third quarter when you're up two scores. I I, I don't Nine get that. points, whatever. I don't understand how they decided to do that. Whatever. I, I mean, it's Nebraska. You know, the Scott Frost hire at first seemed... Like, you know, there's a lot of promise, but uh, now now they have a wide receiver named DeColdest something, and he's... DeColdest Crawford, I believe. Yeah, he's, this, he's a spokesperson for a local heating and cooling company in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, which is really cool, but that's about all Nebraska has going for it. It's not as good of a name as Lil Jordan. You, get, you Lil guys Jordan remember Humphrey. Lil Jordan Humphrey? Yeah, Lil Texas? Jordan Humphrey. Lil Jordan. Too bad there wasn't an NIL deal back then because he would have been sponsored by Air Jordan, I'm sure. Ooh, that would have been good. That would have been Honestly, a great NIL deal. DeColdis yeah, is like what NIL was made for in my that mind. That is true. And we just tweeted out about Sauce Gardner today, quarterback, cornerback for the Jets now, just signed a deal with Buffalo Wild Wings. He's going to be putting out his, quote, Sauce Sauce, I think, at the end of the month. So well, the man that's put sauce. a brilliant deal. The man put Sauce on his Sauce. That's true. His name is Sauce. That's awesome. It's awesome, you could say. At least it's at least it's not as offensive as Patrick Mahomes putting ketchup on his steak and getting a Heinz uh, that man, deal out of it. That man is allowed to do whatever he wants. But to bring it back, uh, I feel bad for everybody who lives in Nebraska because they have to live in Nebraska and now their quarter, you know, their team sucks too. So like, what's going for them? I think just the zoo, and that's pretty much it. But that's only if you live in Omaha. Imagine living in, like, the other side of Nebraska. Right. But that's the only good thing I've ever heard about Nebraska. If I'm like, ew, Nebraska, they're like, what? The zoo. It's basically in Iowa. Literally. It's almost in, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name of it. Yeah, Council Bluffs, Iowa. I'm sure you didn't come to this podcast to listen to us talk about Nebraska. And if you did... Just just change gears and start talking about the cyclones with us because it's much less depressing. It it is. We hope. The, we hope yeah, <laughs> hopefully. We'll find out. So as I'm sure all of you know, I hope all of you who listen to this podcast know, um, the cyclone football season starts on this Saturday, September 3rd. It'll be Ooh. a 1 p.m. game at Jack Trice Stadium against Southeast Missouri State. Um, I don't have much to to break down on that game this is a game that you you, got to win this game they're they're an fcs team they're not even a particularly good fcs team they were picked to finish second though 
in their conference. Conference, yeah. Not first means you're not a great FCS team. Like you got to be first in your conference at least for to really be scared of an FCS team. I feel like. I hold on. I can pull up the FCS top twenty-five here. Let's see if they have a new one. They don't have a new one since the end of last year. I don't think, or maybe this is a new one. I can't really tell. Hold on. Let me see. I, I believe why it was saying they at least have a pretty good running back. Do um, I can't think of his name though. Oh, Gino Hess. 5'8", 222, uh, 203 attempts for 1,116 rushing yards, and he was AP second-team FCS All-American. Averaged 5.5 yards a carry. That's pretty darn good. That's pretty good. But we'll see what he can do when he has to go up against FBS size. Uh, tend to be a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. I doubt he averages 5.5 yards a carry. In, in the FCS coaches poll, Southeast Missouri State was ranked 40th. So they had Oof. the 40th best FCS team. For reference... Um, like those years we played close to you and I and lost to you and I, they generally finished in the top 10 of the FCF. So, and we were bad those years. And we were bad some of those years, yes. Yes, we were. In the AP poll, that's, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's the only poll for the FCS that's out. So, there you go. This is a game you got to win. Um, but because we're coming up on the first year, uh, the first game of the year, as we always do, We'll do our season preview. First, we'll just talk about some, some big picture things about the team and the roster to get you all familiar with it. We'll talk about our questions and keys to the season. And then as we always do, we'll go down game by game, giving you our win-loss predictions to see um, how good we think this team is going to be this year. Um, so just to get familiar um, with the roster, there's a lot of turnover on this roster, particularly on defense. Um, yeah, uh, there's only three returning defensive starters, I believe, um, from last season. So there's definitely a lot of work to do, um, a lot of turnover there. And I believe there's only five returning starters on the offensive side of the ball. So a lot of new faces for you to be aware of. Um, some of the biggest new faces that I would say, and you guys can chime in as well, um, that you're going to, you get names you're going to want to know. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, you're going to want to know about uh, Colby Weeder. He's uh, the transfer, I believe it was at, uh, what was it, New Hampshire prior to this. Um, you're going to want to know him. He's going to be one of the starting linebackers alongside Orion Vance and Gary Vaughn. Um, that should bring some good experience to that group that um, is losing a lot with the departures of Rose and Hummel at the end of last season. Another name that you heard about a lot in the bowl game, but um, hadn't started besides that, um, you're going to want to look at Bo Freeler. He'll be this, one of the safeties. Um, should also make a good impact on the defensive side of the ball. So, so keep an eye out for him this season. Who else should we be keeping an eye on? Either newcomers or returners. Um, I mean, Will McDonald, right? We we highlighted him a little bit last week, but he's going to be the motor that keeps that defense running, especially up front. Um, Isaiah Lee has has been pretty good on that defensive line, uh, at least as a run stopper, and we'll see if that can continue. Obviously, being in a league where. There isn't a ton of rushing, but Texas has a really good running back, and then there's there's some all around. Um, I'm interested to see what uh, Anthony Johnson does um, in his he's transitioning from uh, basically your your outside corner defender to he's becoming free safety for this team. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, according to um, uh, Randy Peterson of the Des Moines Register. Uh, Johnson says his transition's going really smooth, and he loves playing the safety position. Uh, so I'm interested to see uh, how that looks for um, for the team. And I think one thing that's not going to be mentioned super highly, or people will be talking about too much, is the specialists. Uh, we don't have any starters from last year um, in the specialist department for field goals and punters. So. Iowa State, we've always talked about them historically for a long time, saying, man, we, what was it, two years ago where we had a punter who kept trying to do the, the rugby-style punt, and we would only get like 20 to 30-yard punts out of it. So that's 
obviously a huge part of the game. Um, and then field goals as well. Uh, Andrew Mubis really came on strong at the end of last year, but that was some of the most stable play uh, that we've had out of a kicker um, for some time now. So look for those two positions to be very big um, for the for us to figure out early uh, for this team. Yeah, and a big one, obviously, uh, quarterback and running back, since massive part of our team and a massive part of our success was Brees Hall and Brock Purdy. Both of those guys are gone. So you're really looking to see who can drive this train. Are we going to have a good run game? Are we going to have a good pass game? Can Hunter Deckers be the guy that we hope he is? Uh, and can Jarrell Brock keep it consistent? We've seen some good flashes from him in the past. Will he be able to actually carry that in a bell cow lead back role? I We were talking before. I know somebody said he was actually the higher ranked prospect than Brees Hall. So can he capitalize on that? And then be the next person in line of really great running backs that we've had as of late. And one other aspect um, that often goes unnoticed, but we will definitely notice if it's bad, uh, just the offensive line in general. What are they going to look like this year? Are they going to be able to make holes, protect quarterbacks? It's been up and down over the past few seasons, so we'll definitely see what that looks like when we lost a couple cornerstone guys on that line last year. Yeah, you do have three returning offensive linemen. Um, Trevor Downing is going to be the center. Um, Simmons will be one of the guards. And then I don't know if we're going to put Jake Remsburg, if he's going to be the tackle or if he's going to be the other guard. I haven't haven't seen much out of camp. You know, Personally, I'd probably put him as the right tackle. You remember that uh, Deckers is left-handed, right? So the right tackle is going to be his blind side, guarding his blind side instead of the left tackle. Um, like you would have for most quarterbacks. I would like to have that experience um, protecting Decker's blind side, personally, but we'll see. I would agree. But, but then, of course, you leave the entire left side of your offensive line um, as uh, non, right, as, as new starters on that line. So. so Iowa State will have to battle through uh, the first couple of weeks, though, without uh, Ren remsburg services uh so uh, as of this morning uh when randy peterson published this report and update from um you know preseason camp is that jake remsburg uh who he said that he would put it right tackle just as mike had said uh but him quoting this but that was before his injury that could sideline him until at least september 24th against baylor uh, according to matt campbell it's honestly week to week um that he said uh, last Friday, uh, which would be um, August 26th, uh, of Rember- Remsburg's status. Uh, Matt Campbell went on to say, I don't think it's something that's going to mean missing an extended period of time. It's something that I'll know better as we get into each week where he's at and how close he is to playing. We still think we have some solid depth. You're going to need it. Injuries are always going to happen. So uh, according to um, Randy Peterson, Along the offensive line, this goes left tackle to right tackle. You're going to have Tyler Miller, uh, newcomer, new starter. Jared Hufford, who Six I believe... nine also, so... Wild. Huge size. Jared Hufford, who I believe has, has some playing time uh, along this offensive line, filling in for some injuries. Uh, Trevor Downing, obviously. Daryl Simmons, who has played before. Uh, and then with Remsburg out, you'll get Grant Triber, who I don't know much about him. I see he's a redshirt junior. He's going to be wearing number 67. That's about all I could tell you. Okay. How tall is he? Uh, let's see if I can pull it up. Six, he six. Is a, yeah, he's 6'6", 315 pounds uh, out of Sioux Falls, Lincoln. Okay. That's about all I can tell you. That's it. I can pull up his bio from the Iowa State uh, website here. Let's see. Um, he was academic, all second team. Um, let's see. He chose Iowa State over Missouri, Oregon, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Oklahoma State. He was a three-star recruit, um, ranked in the top 100 of offensive tackles, and he was the number one player from uh, the state of South Dakota. His parents are named Carl and Paula, and he's majoring in mechanical engineering. Everybody now knows more about that guy than they do anyone else on our offensive line. Literally. Except for Charlie Kohler last year, when every single announcer had to mention that he played high school basketball Trey Young. There you have it. Very cool. Did you know Charlie Kohler is fourth on the Ravens tight end depth chart right now? That's wild to me. 
but That's, the Ravens yeah. also roster like 22 tight ends in a season. They just use them as offensive blocking linemen because their game is run the ball with the running back and then run the ball with your quarterback. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I digress. I saw that today when I was poking around depth charts. So. And yet Michael Jacobson is also on a roster for tight end right yes, now. Yes, Michael, Michael Jacobson is fourth on the Colts tight end depth chart. If I would have told you... Former basketball player, he, yeah. is, he did not play any collegiate football at all. Yeah, Charlie Kohler and Michael Jacobson would be at the same spot on an NFL depth chart. Ridiculous. That would be, yeah, that would be... Uh, you would have gotten a home run, I can guarantee yes, you. So would have. I would have. You'd have gotten a home run just for saying that Jacobson will play football. That's fair. Do you want to bring it back to Iowa State special teams briefly, specifically in our kicking and punting situation? Oh, we do have a true freshman coming in, Jace Gilbert. Um, his stats throughout his high school career were 41.3 yards per punt, 18 for 19 field goal, and his longest field goal attempt was 52 yards, which is really, really good. Kickoffs, he's 173 for 182 for his kickoffs being touchbacks, and he did attend Cole's camp last year and was ranked 13th punter in the nation. But... We have two actual redshirt senior punters who I didn't know even had. Cameron Shook and Ben Garbarini. Garbarini has averaged 42.2 yards per punt at a D3 before he came to Iowa State. And I don't have any stats on Shook. So I would expect, just based off these stats alone and who else is on our roster, that Gilbert is going to be our kicker. And then a toss-up between Shook and Garbarini for our punter. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we're going to have another Mevis, right? Are you, in the, are you in the head of uh, Randy Peterson? Because that's exactly what he said. Was it really? So yeah, I only knew about Jace Gilbert because I saw a Twitter post from uh, Randy P a couple weeks ago. Has, has Pete put out his uh, preseason thing yet? Um, I'm I'm reading it right now. It's his uh, predicting Iowa State football's depth for Saturday's game against Simo. Yeah. I gotta be honest. I don't want a kicker whose last name is Shook. It's better than having a kicker whose last name is Blewett. I mean, that's not good either. I don't like either of those. So basically what I'm saying here is that Gilbert is probably going to be our place kicker. He could also be a Mevis and be a punter too. But I don't know, because we do have two other actual punters on our roster. We'll so see. Yeah, but do they, do they kick rugby style? Because I'm tired of it. I don't think so. There's nothing wrong with the rugby style kick. Just don't suck at it. Right. Be good at it. That's okay. That's the part I'm tired of is Iowa State rugby style punters being absolutely terrible. The scary part is what would it would look like if he did it the other way? Because that was the better way he was at kicking. So imagine what it looked like the other way. So Shook actually has punted for us last year. Uh, three games, 36.7 yards on six punts. Times versus Kansas, um, and his season long was a 49 yarder. So, out of that, and Garber, just a little special teams insight, I guess. To, to me, special teams has got to be another focus. We actually got a special teams coordinator. Let's go. And it looks like kicks and punts probably going to be handled by Jalen Noel. Um, uh, Eli Sanders could factor in, uh, the freshman running back could factor in a little bit in some of that, but I'm guessing Noel is going to handle the return duties. Sanders, I think we played him enough times that he's now a sophomore. He did still redshirt. He's a redshirt freshman. Oh, he did? Okay. At least according to what I'm looking at, which is not the official site. but So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I think Sanders could, could fill in. Maybe uh, Silas as well. Deion Silas, the other running back behind Brock and Sanders probably. So, we'll see. And even if we have all these questions answered and all these speculations, we see the depth chart and what it looks like in the first two games. That could be completely different than what it looks like at the end of the season. There will be a lot of movement. Even if there are no injuries, you're going to see guys shift around, especially with how many new people we have. There's going to be some trial and error for sure. They already said that that the tight end position, the coaches will be evaluating throughout the first three games of the season to see, you know, who's who's kind of stick there. To me, this is sort of this is sort of a rebuilding year for Iowa State football, uh, and this is not going to be like a three or four win team by any means. But I don't expect necessarily expect big things from this team. You'll see a lot of growth. There's not a ton of seniors um, on this team right now, so you'll see a lot of growth, um, and we'll see what goes from there. That's sort of what I'm what I'm expecting out of this team. But to me, I've I've also got some questions that I think um, 
are going to define this season. I think I've got four questions that are going to define this season for um, Iowa State, two on offense and two on defense. Um, so these are things to look out for early in the season. If these things start to go right for Iowa State, I think they'll be in good shape. My first question is, who is going to be the downfield threat? Um, that's been an issue for multiple years for Iowa State, is we haven't really had a downfield um, reception threat. Hutchinson is a very good wide receiver. Noel showed some good flashes last year. But I can both of them are more over the middle um, and slot type guys than they are true deep ball threats. So I'm looking for um, somebody who's going to step up and be be a deep ball threat to try to stretch defenses and open up some running lanes for the running backs. I think that's going to be key if we can get that to happen. Um, the offense will be in good shape. And the second question to go along with that is, can Hunter Deckers be serviceable? If we have wide receivers who can get open down the field, that doesn't matter if Hunter Deckers can't hit them when they get open. Um, can he be serviceable at quarterback? He's been so-so in his limited appearances um, over the last two seasons. So we'll have to see if he can be be serviceable at quarterback. Those are the two big questions for me on offense. What else are we looking for on offense? I guess my question would be, what's the offensive line play going to look like? Um, with two new running backs uh, and, and some holes in the offensive line from last season, uh, I think the opposite is true. That I think the running game this year, the Cyclones are going to have to rely on a lot more in order to give Hunter Decker some easier looks, like some play action looks over the middle. Um, so if, if Brock can't hit those small holes or if Sanders can't hit them, um, are the holes even there to begin with? Like, how does that run game look? Um, it, and I think if we all of a sudden start abandoning the run game too early and putting too much weight on Hunter Decker's shoulders, I think that's going to play negatively into the season um, because you're going to get a bunch of instances where he's either missing players and he doesn't have a whole lot of confidence. So um, I think early on the Cyclones are probably going to need to get into a little bit more of a rhythm on offense, the dink and dunk approach uh, a little bit more flared, like running backs out of the backfield. Can they catch the ball? I guess is another question to help out some of these receivers and Deckers. Um, and and yeah, like what what is the offensive game plan going to look like uh, specifically for Hunter Deckers? Obviously, you know, Brock Purdy was very shifty. Hunter Deckers is a bigger guy than Brock Purdy. I don't think he's going to be as agile, as quick and as shifty as Brock Purdy was. So what does that look like? And can he extend those plays uh, out of the pocket? And is he like the receivers are going to have to get used to when he rolls out of the pocket when he scrambles he's gonna want to run left being a being a lefty quarterback so that's another thing that you have to adjust to from going from brock purdy to deckers yeah and same same line on offensive lines one of Brees hall's main things that set him above other running backs was after he could get popped in the backfield he was so shifty and so hard to take down that he could make those you know runs after contact in those yards and that was one of the big things from him. If, you know, not every running back can do that. Not most running backs can do that. So we're going to have to have a better point of attack and push from the line so that these guys can at least get ahead of steam going because we're not going to see that same thing out of these guys as we did out of Brees Hall. I assume if we did, that'd be awesome. Yeah. If, if uh, Brock can turn into the next Brees Hall, that would be incredible. But don't count on it. Brees Hall is a special talent. He really is. Brees Hall was literally an NFL talent for a reason. And and you saw it. We saw that. So, yeah, we've seen David Montgomery do well in the NFL. And I think Brees Hall is better than David Montgomery, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it. I just wanted to say this. I think overall, David Montgomery was a better pass catcher. But I think all the tools that you want in an NFL running back, Brees Hall checked more of the boxes than Montgomery or at least grades higher. However, I've people got, want to grade players. I think uh Montgomery's ability to break tackles um, is higher than Brees Hall's too. He's just a right. bigger, more physical runner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so th that that's what we're looking for on offense. My two big questions on defense are: Can the middle of the defensive line hold? Will McDonald's a stud? He's going to be a stud. I'm a little bit concerned about the middle of the defensive line. Um, 
the middle of the defensive line is going to have to eat up some um, is going to have to um, is going to have to play very well because McDonald is going to get double teamed a ton and he deserves that respect. So the rest of the defensive line, specifically Isaiah Lee, MJ Anderson, the Minnesota transfer, um, are going to have to do work on the inside of that offensive line to um, exploit some of the easier matchups they'll get with all of the attention paid to Will McDonald in both the run game and the pass game. Looking at that on defense, and then I'm looking at the the back part of the secondary, specific or just the secondary in general. Um, Anthony Johnson is the only returning starter um, on the, in the secondary. Um, and there's a lot of young looking at a, a possible depth chart. There are there's a, a freshman, two sophomores, a junior, and the senior Anthony Johnson um, as a starting uh, secondary. That's going to be a big ask to get uh, to get some good play out of those. They're going to have to be able to shut um, shut down the uh, the opponents long enough for the the defensive line and linebackers to cause some problems the secondary is not going to be as good as they were last year this defense is not going to be as good as they were last year can they be good enough to keep this team in the game it's my thought on the defense i'm more worried about the defense than the offense being completely honest yeah i mean you can hope that it's a little bit more similar to what it's been like in the past in the big 12 where defense doesn't matter that much uh and if we can have a good offense and put ourselves in decent position if our defense is 80 percent of what it was last year it'll still be better than the vast majority of defenses that we see throughout the year so while you know you definitely will not have the same defense that we can we did have hopefully the returning people that we have and the coaching staff and the culture that's been instilled can at least keep those mostly good habits that we had last year and that identity of we want to be good at defense defense sets up your offense and you can hope for the best there but hope doesn't win football games in the That's end true. you gotta make tackles and i think i was looking at our roster here i think we have nine seniors total on the defensive side of the roster and then 36 freshmen i think so that kind of shows you the age disparity there and what we're looking at so it's it don't be surprised when you see blown coverages. Don't be surprised when you see lapses and error. That's definitely going to happen near the beginning of the season, unless these guys are crazy locked in for people who have never done this at that level before. But you just got to hope that there's a lot of growth from the beginning to the end of the season. Especially on the defensive side, it's a rebuilding year. So anybody have anything else they want to want to want to put on the, on the record here before we go into our game by game predictions? You all good? You've said everything you want to say. Any any bold takes? I think so. Uh, I already said a bold take a couple of weeks ago that I believe Hunter Deckers isn't the quarterback the whole season. Who is? I think they go to Rocco Rocco yeah. Becht. Yeah, it's I mean, got to be back. To the the Deckers. the other part, like the quarterback depth chart, is Rocco Becht or Ashton Cook or Nate Glantz. I didn't even know that Cook is a redshirt freshman. Literally never heard his name before. So we also have a Blake Clark, apparently. Yeah, I I don't know. It's probably going to be Becht, I would imagine. We'll see. I, I would be surprised if they, if we have the growing pains that we're expecting all over the field, he would have to be really, really bad to just abandon him completely that quickly to me. I kind of liked what I saw out of him last year. So I, I have high hopes for Deckers. I, I don't think he'll get abandoned that quickly in my opinion but you never know yeah that'll that'll be key we'll see we'll keep an eye on that going forward but into a win loss predictions um so we'll do what we've done in previous years we'll do one game at a time um everyone will 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 go um one at a time and say whether you think that game will be a win and a loss and if you want to put a comment in there uh feel free to um for for each one of these, we'll start with Wyatt, then Kyle, Ariane, and then myself. So Southeast Missouri, as we said, um, that that's what we'll start with. Um, Wyatt. Simo is a win for me. It's a must win. Kyle? Uh, I mean, it's a must win. Like, you can't go into the first game of the season and lose that. Not you to can. an FCS we've, team. We've done it before. We've done it before, but you, done it before. You, you just can't. <laughs> and... 
I would agree. I'm also going to say a win. I have the FPI pulled up for all these. So if we want to hear them, I have them available. Uh, Iowa State has a 98.6% chance of winning this game, according to ESPN's FPI Football Power Index. So I would also agree this is a win. If, if I remember correctly, that's like five times better than what it was in like those you and I games. Like we had like 8% chances to lose those games. That's that's the difference. Um, we're, we're very, very likely to win this game. This, this game is a win. Even a slow start is not going to be, is not going to stop us from winning this game. After that, um, we go to the Cyhawk to see if uh, Matt Campbell can finally get his first win um, in the Cyhawk series. That's, the one big thing he's yet to do as Iowa State's um, Iowa State's head coach. So Wyatt, what do you think? Can Campbell get that Cyhawk W? So Kyle said that you can't lose to an FC. However, the last time that we beat Iowa in 2014, we started that season by losing to NDSU 34-14. I'm saying that we win against Iowa, but to go with apparently our tradition, I should have said that we were going to lose against SEMA. But I do have a W in the Cyhawk. Uh, this is an L for me i i don't think it's if it didn't happen with last year's team it ain't gonna happen with this year's team yeah iowa is our it's our kryptonite it's our boogeyman and until proven otherwise i'm gonna say that it's a loss for us uh fpi gives us a 48 percent chance of winning this game which i was surprised about but uh yeah i'm gonna call it a loss until proven wrong fpi really likes the cyclones for some reason yeah, this surprising. year i don't know um, how they judge that if it's off past performance yeah, I, I really don't know what they're using. They like the Cyclones better than I think any of us Cyclone like the fans. Cyclones. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree. I don't like, I don't think Iowa's going to be a good team this year. I don't like, Nate Stanley's still their quarterback, right? He didn't graduate, isn't he? Who was their quarterback last year? I got to look this up. Let me take a look. Let me see that roster. Uh... Spencer Petrus? Oh, no, yes. Petrus, yes. Yeah, yeah. Stan- I was going to say Stanley's uh, been a Stanley, while, right? He graduated two years ago and got drafted by the Vikings. That's right. They've since cut him. Anyway, Spencer Pet- Petras or whatever he pronounces. Yeah, he's not good, okay? I'm going to say it. He's not a good quarterback. Will he be good enough with this team? I don't know. I still don't think they'll be good, but I think this game being at Kinnick, they'll be better than Iowa State. I also have this as an L. Not because I think Iowa's very good, just because I think we're more mediocre than Iowa is going to be this year. After Iowa, we come back home to play the Ohio University. Not Ohio State, just regular Ohio. I think we put a W against the Ohio. This is an, this is a W. I, I don't... I think the team has to be hungry after a loss at Iowa. Yep. 96.1% chance to win. That's going to be a W for me. It should be at least. This one's this one's got to be a win. Um, Ohio, again, they're not FCS, but they're, they're not great. This has got to be an L or a W for me. So the next game after Ohio conference play starts, and uh, the Cyclones get Baylor at home to open conference play. Um, they open conference play at Baylor this last year. This year it'll be Baylor at home. As predicted, I did say that the Cyclones would go 4-0 this season, so I have this as a W. FPI does give us a 53.7% chance to win? Really? Yeah. Like I said, FPI loves us. FPI is garbage. It's always been garbage, but it's... I'm Anyway, I have this as a W. Um, Baylor's going to be good this year, and I don't think Iowa State's going to be as good as Baylor is. Um, this is. This is a loss to start out conference play all the way. So as we've been sitting here doing this, I have it filled out. I've changed my answer about four times. I'm really waffling hard because on one hand, it just feels like a loss. I think you said they're number 10 to start. I don't anticipate us being number 10 level of good. So to me, it's a loss there. But this also feels like a classic Iowa State W knock off a team much higher than you at home. Everybody has a good time. So I'm going to stick with the W there, just like I think the loss to Iowa is just because that's how Iowa State rolls. I also believe we will knock off a highly ranked team when we are not expected to, except for FPI, I guess, expects us to. But I'm going to say a W versus Baylor. Yeah, I agree with Arian that this is probably the hardest game of the season to predict for me. Um, I I really don't know what to think of this. Um, 
in the end, I think I'm leaning towards the loss, though. I don't think um, the Cyclones are ready for um, ready for this challenge. I think Baylor is going to have a really good year. I've got a loss here. Next up is a game at KU, which many of uh, your 8311 cast hosts will be at. Um, at KU, what do you got, Wyatt? I may have thought that I was drinking the Cardinal and Gold Kool-Aid. However, this is the moment where I accidentally inhaled instead of swallowed. I think KU will actually be mildly decent, and we get cocky and lose to KU. I have a little bit of hype going into the season already. Who knows if it'll pan out, but I'm saying that it will, and they'll be halfway deep. Interesting. Um, yeah, no. KU's bad at football. Uh, I don't think that's changing... I mean, they already have had a wide receiver who's been arrested this year, so uh, this is a win. Two that are suspended also. Yeah, good for them. One's Their starter is suspended indefinitely, and I believe the backup is just suspended for the first game because he had charges dropped against him. But uh, it was, I believe it was a not a great charge to start off the season. Just got to brush up on your run game then. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, they're not. I mean, they'll be better. But the floor is so low in Lawrence that like better just means not getting blown out by every single team on your schedule and and beating Texas. Right. I mean, they'll be maybe they'll just that'll be their thing now is beating Texas and being garbage for the rest of the year. I think everybody would think that was fun. But this feels like an easy W for me. And if they lose, I'm going to be really mad at Wyatt because we'll be at that game. Yeah, I, I'm just echoing everything Kyle and I said. Um, this this one's a win. I don't don't see anything else. If we one. lose to KU, we're done for the season. Like, doesn't matter. Pack it in, pack it up. Yeah, just forfeit, forfeit it all. What was the last like dumb loss that we had that was not at the beginning of it? Well, we lost to KU my sophomore year or junior year and everybody said it wasn't going to happen. And I said they're pretty bad this year. And then we lost to KU and then they tore down their goalposts. And took them out of the stadium. <laughs> I I would argue that uh, last year losing at West Virginia or Texas Tech, take your pick, either of them were stupid losses with how good that team should have been. Yeah, I would, I would argue that, that, that those were both pretty dumb. Those were bad. Um, man, what else? I was going to say maybe that Baylor game, our freshman year at home. Winning the whole game. Baylor led for literally zero minutes zero, and zero, se- zero seconds, minutes. and they won the game. But Baylor we, was like we weren't a top supposed 10 to win, team. though. Yeah, Baylor right. was a top ten team. So I still have nightmares of that ball flying through the goalpost right over my. Yeah. The the K State the the fumble game. Uh, what's his face's last game for Iowa State? It was one year before we got there, or was it our last? I forget when it was, but. Um, they fumbled while just needing to run out the clock in K-State 1. Yes, that was our freshman year. Our freshman yeah. year at K-State. That we one. were up like three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and we like turned the ball over. Yeah, anyway, that, that one was one. bad. That, that was painful bad. losses in the Iowa State wheelhouse. That's what we do best. True that. Anyway, moving right along, um, we stay with our tour of the state of Kansas. Well, teams have to match. With a home date with Kansas State for Farmageddon. Wyatt, what do you got for Farmageddon? I think we recover from our midseason stupid loss and come back to put a W on the board against Purple King. So after losing 17, like 17 away games at K-State in a row last season, we come back and lose to K-State this season. I think K-State's probably an underrated team in the league, possibly finishing... Uh, third or fourth in the league this year. Um, they've always got a strong defense. They've got a great defensive line. Uh, they've got a really good running back. And I think this is going to be a tough matchup for Iowa State. It's a loss. Uh, I agree. I think K-State is going to be really good this year. Deuce Vaughn is probably going to run all over our very inexperienced defense. Um, I have it down as a loss as well. Although... As we've stated, FPI loves them. Cyclones gives us a 66.4% chance to win that somehow. But it is a loss in my book. Yeah, I've got this one as a win for the Cyclones. Um, I think that the home crowd will be able to propel us to a win in this game. Um, I think this team will have a bit of energy in it. Um, after uh, With the one-on-one start in conference, they'll want to keep that up and keep in the 
conference title discussion. Um, so I've got this as a win. If if Hunter Deckers gets pulled, this is probably the game. You think you think this is what Hunter Deckers gets pulled? Uh, I think this is a game where he throws like three or four interceptions and they're just like, well, now, now, now does he get benched and come back the next game or he's just done? I think they bench him, bring him back the next game. But then one of these next two games is like the final calling card because <laughs> this huh, is a tough okay. stretch coming up for Deckers. Yeah, it is. It is a tough stretch coming up um, after the Kansas State game. We go to the great state of Texas to play the Longhorns. What, what do you got for a game at Texas? I unfortunately have this as a loss. I don't want it to be a loss, but I do have it. To be. I am disagreeing. I think for whatever reason, Texas is going to be overhyped this year, and it's just not going to work. Iowa State's going to come in being pissed after their loss to K-State, and this is the one surprise game where Iowa State just everything seems to start to work. Um, whether that be with Hunter Deckers, you know, playing really well, finally. And then uh, after he gets benched against K-State, that's kind of my philosophy and what I'm thinking how this will play out. So I think this is like a Hunter Deckers-style redemption game against Texas. W. So the Texas, the Texas game for you is the Baylor game for me, the one where they just yeah. win anyway. Yep. Uh, for me, this is a loss. I just... I don't see us managing to come up up against Texas. I think they'll be, you know, they're always supposed to be good every year and they rarely are, but I think they'll be better this year than they were last year. Uh, this is probably a loss to us at Texas. It'll be tough. So I have it down as an, an L. Yeah, I've got this one as a win and here's why. I think Texas is slightly overrated, only slightly. I think they're going to be a good team. But the real reason why I have this in a win as a win is where it falls on Texas's schedule. The week before is the big game against Oklahoma. Oh, it's Red River. Yeah, and the week after, they've got Oklahoma State. I think they'll be worn out after a hard-fought game with Oklahoma and overlook Iowa State a little bit, um, looking forward to a big matchup against Oklahoma State. So that's why I have this as a win. I think Iowa State is going to come in and punch them in the mouth. Texas is going to come in a little bit flat, and Iowa State's going to be able to hold on for the win. I will say that I think Iowa State has kind of earned the right to not be a trap game over the past couple of years, even though we won't be as good as we have been in the past. I think people around the league respect Matt Campbell and what he does coaching well enough to know that they can't come into this game lazy because he will take advantage of them. Yeah, could be. We will see. And uh, as I said, this tough stretch continues with a, a, a home game against OU right after that. Now, I thought at one point this game was going to be on a Thursday, but I'm seeing it on a Saturday everywhere I look. Does anyone know? They reflexed it. So they initially flexed it to Thursday, and then they reflexed it back to Saturday. Gotcha. Okay. I was curious. More than unflexing then, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. There is a bye week in between these games too, by the way. Iowa State has their bye week um, in between Texas and Oklahoma. So Wyatt, what do you think? Oklahoma? This is that dumb one where Iowa State shouldn't win, but they do. I have a couple of those already, but this is just another one to throw us. I have a W. Uh, this this is Hunter Decker's uh, curtain call, I guess, on the season. Um, I thought he already had a curtain call. Uh, he had a benching, pretty uh, much a warning. But then this isn't a curtain call a good thing. I think you're saying he's going to get bent. This is Hunter Decker's final act. There, uh, there that's you go. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this is a early fumble, a couple interception, first half benched at halftime. Rocco Beck comes in, but it's too little, too late as OU's probably up three touchdowns at that point. Uh, and Iowa State loses by um, OU uh, hits the or what is it? Beats the line, I guess. There, betting wise, what is it? Mike covers, covers the spread. covers. Cover. Yeah, there it is. Covers the. No, well, OU covers the spread. Yeah. So, loss. Ian? I have this down as a loss. I think we will lose to OU. I think we'll lose three straight. There's always this point in the season, seemingly, where Iowa State just cannot find it. And it just looks bad. Everybody's feeling bad. There's a lot of pessimism around, and they can usually pick it up. 
but I'm anticipating in this particularly tough stretch of schedule, even with the bye week in the middle, I'm going to say that this is a skid for us and we're going to lose our third game in a row to OU. Yeah, I've got this as a loss as well. I think Oklahoma is just too good. I don't see a way that we uh, win this game. I've got this as an L. After that, the schedule uh, gets easier a little bit for one game um, as we get West Virginia at home the week after. What do you guys got for West Virginia? West Virginia, Riot Bull, and Jack Trice. This is homecoming. This has to be. It is. This has to be. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really sloppy, uh, low-scoring game uh, between both teams, but I think this is is one that Iowa State pulls out um, in the end on homecoming. Uh, I concur. Riot Bowl. It'll be wild, but I think they'll come out with a win. Stop that skid that I have uh, three games and we'll come back with a with one in the win column. Yeah, I've also got this as a win in a game that I believe all of you 8311 cast hosts, at least as of now, are planning to be in attendance at. Planning on it. I think will, will that be the it'll be, might be the first game since we were in college that we're all in attendance at. I'm thinking. Yeah, yes. I think so. Josh well, gonna be there? No, 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 no. The last after I graduated, I came back for homecoming. We were technical there. Ah, uh, that's true. So your first homecoming. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So the first one since the what would that be? The 2018 season. Yep. That we were all that we're all in attendance at a game. So. So they have to win it for us. Yes, exactly. I'm sure, they care. Oh uh, yes, we. They all listen to this podcast. Love Literally, it. Yeah, literally the entire football team. It's their practice material. <laughs> it's their hype music. Um, after the West Virginia game, the schedule gets a little tougher again um, at um, Oklahoma State at the Cowboys. Wyatt? I can't have us going 10-2, and two, so I'm going to mark this as a loss. Wyatt's got this as a loss just because he had too many wins? Yes. Yeah. Accurate. <laughs> he literally looked at it and he was like, there ain't no way. <laughs> It should be noted that he does actually have cut down as a W, and I wrote out our total fictions, and he decided there were too many and just changed it. Yeah, but but yeah, t- totally, one hundred percent. Ten and two is bad. Nine and three is ten and two is I mean, good. Ten and two is really good. Yeah, yeah that'd be <laughs> awesome. It is, it is, but it's for my predictions, it's bad because it's extremely likely. Nine and three is more likely. However, still, see now the interesting thing would be getting sidetracked here sorry if we went 10 and 2 like Wyatt originally had and our losses were texas and at ku where would we end up? <laughs> like 9 11 i feel like that's a bad loss you get top five and lose to ku it's, yeah it's like uh like uh two years ago when we lost to louisiana monroe well i guess they were good though they were uh, top 25 good. by the end of the year they were very, yeah. very good so never mind you couldn't just scratch it up. all right sorry but i thought about that and it made me laugh uh this is also a loss oklahoma state's gonna be really good um i think they're it's gonna be a a battle between ou and oklahoma state probably baylor for whoever wins the conference um this is this is gonna be a valiant effort from rocco becht uh in this game but in in the end it's a it's a loss Kyle is weaving this narrative of quarterback drama uh other other than that part, I pretty much agree with whatever Kyle's pretty much everything Kyle said. So uh, I'm gonna agree that I have a loss down here to OU or OSU, excuse me. Yeah, I've got this as a loss uh, as well. At home, I'd consider putting this a win, but on the road, I don't think we can get it done. That's a tough place to go in and win games. I've Even BPI gives them a seventy percent chance, and they love us. FPI, I keep saying BPI. It's not basketball season yet, Arian. I'm ready. That might be that might be pretty close for the BPI though next year. So who knows? If we make merch, can I get a shirt that says FPI is garbage, like a flaming garbage can? It seems unrelated. You haven't said it that much. It's not like a catchphrase or anything. This is been a common maybe theme, one day. Like the past couple of years, uh, every time preseason stuff comes out, dogging on FPI is definitely a common. We'll see. We'll see. Preseason ratings, just in general, are kind of garbage. They are, but FPI never seems to improve they're accurate take texas for example this was also the first game that we all have a consensus for losses that's true true we had two consensus wins the two non-conference non-iowa games a three consensus Uh, win was the third homecoming oh west virginia homecoming yeah i miss west virginia yeah yeah nice so 
Um, we're down to the last two games of the season as the weather starts to get cold here, and it's a little bit of an easier stretch for Iowa State to end it. Um, it is Texas Tech. Home game against Texas Tech. What do y'all think there? Wyatt? you. So at this point, Iowa State is 3-4 and four in conference, uh, according to my um, predictions. Uh, and coincidentally, that means that they are also... What I have five wins, so they're they're five and four. Wait, no, they're oh my gosh, I can't do math. Can you add? They're five and five right now. Uh, so this this will this game is like they're like all right, this gets us to bowl eligibility. Win the win the game against Texas Tech. Go to six and five. Like Cyclones in this game. I also have it as a win against Texas Tech. Yep, I've also got this one as a win. Um, I Texas Tech's not a good team, and this game's at home. I'm gonna get the win, and we close out the regular season with a game at TCU. At TCU, Horn Frogs take the L. Cyclones take the win. Last game of the regular season. Let's go. Yeah, I got last game of the regular season. Iowa State goes out on top. Um, six and five isn't good enough for this program. They wanted seven and five, uh, so they get the W. Yeah. I think this will be a classic Iowa State momentum to the next season. Get everybody's, you know, energy up. This is going to be a W to end it. Uh, I also expect us to win this game versus the Horn Frogs. Yeah, this is a game we're, we're going to win. I think um, TCU is also not good, and we want to close out the season on a high note. Close it out on a high note with an outside shot at a Big 12 championship game appearance going into the week. So. And then for uh, for extra credit, I'll say we're going to lose the bowl game that we get to. You don't get extra credit for that. Who are we going to play? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> what? Um, you want me to write that down? <laughs> no, you don't have to write no, it down. Just, just, uh, just, just wondering who you think they're going to play. UCLA. How many Big Ten Fair bowls enough. are there? Big Ten, Big 12 bowls. There are zero Big Ten, Big 12 bowls. Still isn't I've looked any? at that previously for the odds that Minnesota would play. Iowa State in a bowl game because that would not be fun for me, um, but, but there are none. So, so we're looking at Wyatt has us going State. nine and three. Iowa Kyle. State, or hold on, I got the bowl game. Iowa State is going to play in the in the Liberty Bowl again this year. Again, uh, they are going to lose to that is an SEC game. They're going to lose to. Uh, they're going to lose to Auburn. Alabama. You should have said Alabama, you coward. <laughs> no, they're going to lose to Auburn in the Liberty Bowl. I think the entirety write, write of that Alabama's. Down. Write, write that down. down. There we go. Wow. Home run. Easy. Okay. Wyatt has this team going 9-3. and three. Kyle and myself both have us going 7-5. and five. And Mike brings up the middle with us going 8-4. and four. Wyatt and Mike both have a six and three in conference. Kyle and myself both have us five and four. So we'll see who ends up closest to the goal here. Either way, it's a respectable season. We're talking about this as a rebuilding season, and we're talking about, I mean, even we think the floor for this team is probably five wins, yeah. right? And most of us think they'll be at, at least six or seven. So that's really good for a rebuilding team. Considering a good season used to be six wins, now we're saying yes. this is going to be a bad season where we get six wins. This is this is a huge improvement. So, any other thoughts on this Cyclone season for our preview episode? Yeah, go Cyclones. True yeah, that. go Cyclones. Cyclones. That. You may have said the signature phrase. However, we're not actually the end of the episode. We still have some, a couple other things to go over, don't we, Mike? We do. We're, of course, going to do our signature segments. There are signature segments for a reason. And... Uh, Starting our six segments, we'll have Mike's stupid rules, and I'm going to give you a choice. Do you want to talk about mound visits or infield flies? Mound visits. I agree. Mound visits it is. All right. We will talk about mound visits this week. So um, for mound visits, we are going to go to rule 5.10, part M2, um, where it talks about mound visits. So now remember, this is a relatively new rule. Um, the uh, Major League Baseball um, it implemented a mound visit limit per game um, 
uh, in order to speed up the game because, you know, those mound visits were really, really slowing it down. So anyway, so they put that limit on there. And in order to do that, they also had to better define what a mound visit actually is. Um, because, you know, right, otherwise how can you enforce a limit if you don't know what it actually is? So but previously the only time mound visit matters is there used to be – there's always been a rule – that if a coach slash manager makes two mound visits for the same pitcher in the same inning, they must replace the pitcher. That used to be the rule, and the umpire used to have discretion for what constituted a mound visit. Like, it's it pretty obvious, generally, what a, a coach mound visit is, right? Pretty straightforward. Well, for this, they had to define a mound visit further and it takes all umpire discretion out of it. So that rule that I cited, five dot 10 part M2 says for the purposes of this rule, a manager or coach trip to the mound to meet with the pitcher shall constitute a visit. So essentially anytime a coach steps foot on the mound, it is a mound visit. Also a player leaving his position to confer with the pitcher or a pitcher leaving the mound to confer with another player, um, regardless of where the visit occurs or the length of the visit. Um, a visit by like more players, if some players or a coach are already there, it count as like an extra visit. It all is just counting as one visit. Now, um, normally this isn't controversial, but it was slightly controversial in a game between the Twins and oh, who are they playing? I can't remember. Twins and Astros. Um, Jose Altuve got hit by a pitch by Aaron Sanchez, uh, and the two started jawing, and the benches started to empty. So, of course, the, the managers and, you know, all the players came out of the dugouts and there was some chatting. And uh, at the end of the, um, the end of the, the, we'll call it a brawl, but, you know, it, it's not actually a brawl. Um, uh, Rocco Baldi steps foot on, on the mound dirt and just says, tells Sanchez to settle down, you're good, and goes back to the dugout. Now, correctly, according to the rule, the home plate umpire charged Rocco Baldelli with a mound visit. So then a couple batters later, um, Baldelli sends the pitching coach out to the mound just, you know, for a regular chat. And the manager, or then the home plate umpire, then tells the pitching coach he must replace the pitcher because, again, it was the second coach's visit of an inning. Um, so essentially removing the umpire's discretion from this is the part that I don't like. Obviously, right, in a that bench-clearing incident, Dusty Baker could come out and say whatever he wanted to settle down Jose Altuve. Right, and that, that, that's completely allowed. But because Rocco Bodelli stepped foot on the mound, it's now a mound visit, and that has adverse effects on the future of the inning. I think you still need to add back some umpire discretion to this rule in order to um, in order to account for situations like this. Otherwise, it gives the offensive team an unfair advantage in situations like this. What are you guys' thoughts? disagree i think they should change the rule to allow for um exceptions i guess to a mound visit and this will be one of them if there's a bench clearing and they'd probably have to define bench clearing too of course there's a, a bench clearing that happened and the pitcher steps off the mound to confer or a coach steps on the mound to confer then that's a i mean that's not a mound visit but by rule it is and i think it's overall a good thing to define things in the rule book that are obvious to me mound visits are obvious umpire or officials discretion is a good thing for things that are hard to define sound visits are easy to define however if i was the home plate umpire i would at least let the manager know ahead of time that hey that technically counts as a mound visit just so you know so they don't send a coach out there and then have to replace their pitcher and he did signal mound visit you know they point at the official score and point at the dugout but after a bench clearing thing, nobody's really paying attention to the umpire. That could mean lots of things. Anyway, so the umpire did correctly signal for the bench clearing and oh, for the, the mound visit, but it was not communicated well. Yeah, I probably should have talked to the coach. Yeah. And yeah, they, there are lots of exceptions to this too. Um, there are like seven exceptions listed in the rules. So adding it, I'm fine with adding in just another exception for that too. Yeah, there you go. Mound visits. You'll get infield fly next week, unless I see something else interesting. So, but you got mound visit for this week. Any other questions? Nope. No, uh, none some, for me. 
Awesome, awesome. Glad I could fill you in. Moving right along to our Write That Down Prediction segment with our accountability session. We only had one thing come off the board um, this week. It was a prediction from Kyle who said that uh, Latifi would be replaced at the summer break. He raced um, last weekend at Spa, so that's not being replaced. So for that, Kyle gets a... That, that's it for our accountability session. So I'll start getting some predictions back up on the board. I'm going to start with a uh, college football prediction. I'm going to predict that um, the Cyclones, um, the eight wins that I predicted, that's going to be equal to or more wins than Texas. I'm going to change what I've written down. Equal to or more wins than Texas. I do have a, a like- gut score for me. Like just... Off the top of my head, I do Yell have a, a score. I have a double for this. Iowa State over under is six and a half wins. That's so Texas's over under is eight and a half. Too you high. say that's low? Yeah, six and a half's low. For our, if I added up ours, it's not that close to six and a half. I mean, we I mean, average have, what seven and a half? Yeah, and yeah. I had correct. seven, and I could have gone to six easily. We're gonna go nine. So could I? Yeah. Six and a half seems like dead on for what I was guessing. So I would agree with that. Um, so yeah, six and a half versus eight and a half. Big difference in a 12 game season. I'm between a double. Uh, I, I was leaning triple. It is realistically a triple, but my gut read on it's a double. Ain't no way Texas beats Alabama week two. Yeah, I have that predicted. I think you do. You do. <laughs> and then, that they will beat Alabama. But you also said they would lose to some little dinky school too i think so you never know so yeah triple all right yep. triple it is do you have anything from josh this week is he still alive yep he's still alive he's doing good he is also getting pumped for the start of the cyclone season uh he says we're gonna start three and oh three and oh start double yeah double That's solid i agree basically this is saying this is almost the equivalent of saying we will beat iowa we win yeah um, we'll say yeah we'll say double Wyatt, what about you? It is the start of football season, so therefore I need to put my traditional prediction up of a one-point safety will occur. Yep. Home run. Home run. Home run. Don't, yeah, don't need to talk about this one anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I have that Scott Frost, Nebraska's head coach, will be fired during the season. So this means that before Nebraska plays their final game, Scott Frost will no longer be the head coach. Single. How long is his contract? And are they already paying a coach they fired still? No, they're not paying Bo Pelini. Okay. <laughs> I don't been think. Gone for no. too long, I think, yeah. I mean, contracts uh, can get pretty days, long in college. Yeah, two days ago, there was uh, an article about what his buyout is. So obviously, they're already thinking that. Um, if he is fired after the 2022 season, his buyout is $7.5 million. Um, I mean, yeah. they should probably do this. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise it will be fifteen million to go um, before um, the end of this season. So, so the real question here is, what is the talent level Actually, of their hold team? On, hold, on, hold, on. hold on, no, hold on. Um, no, the 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 shorter buyout goes into effect after August first. So actually, it's partway through the season. Oh well, that oh. makes it even easier. Gone. Isn't it already August first though? Yeah. Is, is, October first, I said. Uh, oh, October first. No, he's still oh, down. I, I heard he August. I meant to say, meant to say October. October first. Sorry, I was like August first. That's already here. Why haven't they done it yet? Um. Yep. I'm between a single and a double. I think it would be a double if that was 15 million for the whole year. But since it goes to seven and a half during the year, I'll still say, say double. I guess. I'll go double then. Overruled. I have this as a single. Double it is. And as we all know, I already predicted this on the air that Iowa State loses to Auburn in the Liberty Bowl this year. Uh, yeah, that's a home run. I feel yeah. like this is a home run. Easy. <laughs> yeah. It seems yeah. like a good bet. You got our end? Picking one, one team in college football that we're going <laughs> to lose to in a specific bowl game. All right. So I'm going to go a little off the map here. Um, we're going to jump into the world of competitive rock climbing for my prediction. Uh, there is an ISFC 
competition, which is the International Sport Climbing Federation. It is taking place in Koper, Slovenia on the 2nd and 3rd of September. And I am going to predict that the an American will podium in both men and women's lead competitions. So lead climbing is where you climb up a big wall and you clip into clips as you go. And if you fall, you fall as far as the last clip. But just for some background for the women's side, um, generally Natalia Grossman and Brooke Rabatou are going to be our best climbers on the women's side. Uh, you're pretty much guaranteed one of them is going to be on the podium as long as they're having a good week. If I was just picking for women's side, I would say that's probably a single. And then for our men's side, you're looking at pretty much Sean Bailey and Jesse Grouper. Uh, Jesse Grouper has been hot, hot, hot recently. Uh, he's won two medals, I think, in the last two competitions, but he's kind of come out of nowhere. So it's interesting to see if he can keep that uh, going, the momentum. And then Sean Bailey's a little bit more of a boulderer than a lead climber. But if I was just basing it off of that prediction for men's, I would probably give myself a double. So you're combining like a single type of prediction and a double type prediction and just mashing them both together and saying they're both going to happen. So are they climbing pairs for lead or is it just solo no. lead with carabiners on the wall? Just solo. Uh, this I is for my identification. Is, is this indoor or out? Do they, they do this indoor, right? Yeah. Or it is, is it generally an outdoor wall because it's 15 meters high. So it's a tall wall basically by itself outdoors somewhere. Weather is usually lovely. Uh, they're usually streaming it on the ISFC YouTube channel. So if you want to go there on the second and third, I have no idea what time it is, but it's a fun thing to watch if you're bored and they do post those all afterwards. I usually just watch them after they happen. I mean, I'll trust you and say double. Yeah. 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 That seems fair. Sure. With three doubles, triple and a home run. That concludes our two home runs. Two home runs? Oh, I even double checked to see if I was right. You're right. Two home runs. That concludes our Write That Down Prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 188 of the 8311Cast. We appreciate you sticking around and giving us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at 8311Cast. Until next week, signing off are your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Cloudwick, Orion Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. Thanks so much for listening. Go Cyclones. <laughs> Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones!